All right, good morning, church. I love you all. So glad to be in church with you today. Want to give you a couple things. Pastor Joshua, don't walk away yet. Stay right there. You don't have to come back. Just stay right there. You're walking out on me. Look at that. Hey, we're not a perfect church or perfect people. I say this to you pretty much every week. We're here because we know we need God's help, and Jesus Christ is the answer to our needs always. And so the reason I asked Pastor Josh to stay right there for a minute is some of you haven't got a chance to meet him probably. He's our new youth pastor that just came a few weeks ago. Uh, is this your second or Sunday here? Third? Okay. Um, I'm saying that because nothing's been normal since he arrived, but it's not his fault. Uh, I, I want to publicly say that I love him and I know God's brought him to us. There's no doubt. <laughs> There's no question. I, I want you to know that, brother, right here in front of your family, that God brought you here. Nothing's been normal since you arrived, and I know that. Probably never will be. <laughs> but God's good, and I'm glad you're here. Thank you, buddy. You can go ahead now. Sorry. Please take a moment to tell him hi and thank you for being here. Yeah. God is good. He is. He had some youth waiting for him back there, but I wanted to make sure that y'all know who he is and to just to say hello and thank you. He, uh, if you just give me a minute of your time, I'm going to take a lot more than that. But this is like important for us here. This, uh, you saw these on your seats when you sat, sat down, and maybe you didn't yet, but you're sitting on one if you didn't know. And there's a bunch more on the front here. We have some in the back. Next Sunday is Rodeo Sunday. You may say, I don't care, whatever, whatever. Let me explain something to you here. Um, Kim and I moved here uh, July of uh, 2005, and uh, Tucson was a brand new experience for us. And we were like surprised when we found out that they closed the schools for rodeo. Uh, you know, like it was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. All right, whatever. Uh, I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, crazy good. You know, it's just whatever. Uh, it's part of the culture here, right? So in Michigan, where I come from, so you may not like this, but I'm just going to tell you anyway, that they closed the schools and the factories for opening day of deer season. For real. I mean, they, 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 they figured out it was like a waste of time to try and have anything happen because nobody came in anyway. So they just planned it as a holiday. It's actually in the contracts of uh, the UAW and all that stuff that November 15th every year is a day off for everybody that works. And the schools close all up north. They do. So like each culture has their own thing. And Tucson's is a rodeo. And a lot of people aren't like, we're not cowboys out here by and large, even though this is a cowboy area and rodeo is a big thing to the cowboys. And so what we understand is like God's invited us to impact a culture and to be with the people of this place. And so what we decided many years ago was to have a rodeo Sunday in the opening weekend of this coming week that's coming up. So next Sunday opens rodeo, if you didn't know that. And, and this is what we're going to do then. After this service next Sunday, we're going to have a petting zoo, a pony rides. We'll have a jump castle for the kids. We'll have a mechanical bull competition for every age group. So I just want you to know we're challenging you all to get your cowboy on and be ready to ride that bull. And we will have prizes in age brackets. It's a lot of fun. I love to harass you all. I'm wearing my championship shirt, by the way. I just want everybody to know it. Just saying, you know. <clears throat> so I'm not in the senior division. I should be. But I'm challenging all you boys that are 18 and older. Let's see what happens, right? Let's throw down. 
Wear your spurs, let's make it happen, because next Sunday it's all going to come down to the final ride and who does what on the bull. So I always remind the guy that's running the, the bull that I'm the one that delivers your check. <laughs> all right, now, anyway, it's all cool. Uh, I don't actually, Heather does that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, we want you to invite people out. So we're going to have a chili cook-off. You can sign up for being a part of that. Uh, or you can just come and eat it. And there's hot dogs, there's stuff, it's all free. It's a great time. And the reason why we wanted to do this is because we want you to invite people to come with you. So these are there for you to take. And I want to ask everybody in this room if you'd at least invite one person. There's stacks of them if you want to invite more than one. But if everyone here would just invite one person. So, some rules. Don't invite people that are going to a church that teaches Jesus. We're not trying to take someone from a church that teaches Jesus and have them come to be our church, right? We want people to meet Jesus. So if they don't know him, invite them. If they're going to a church, yeah. If they're going to a church that doesn't teach Jesus, by all means, get them out of there. Bribe them, whatever you got to do. Hog tie them, bring them in by the rope, whatever you got to do. Get them out of that place, all right? If they're unchurched or dechurched, meaning they've been damaged by the church, invite them. That's what this is all about. It's what we want to do is invite people on the campus of the church to see the roof's not going to fall in. We have insurance. I tell everybody, if they, I got insurance and we could use a new roof. So if it falls in, it's all good. Well, thank you. All right. Um, and then anyway, we'll stop there. Uh, what I want you to do is just invite them into a, an environment that's normal. So as we do that, then um, what I want them to see is we're as normal as they are. You know, we're not we're not normal, but we're as normal as they are, right? That's what I mean. Like, people have a perception of Christianity, church, pastors, people. We all do. And, and a lot of times it's been damaged along our life journey. So the idea behind having an event like Rodeo Sunday is to just kind of be there and be people together. We're not going to be out there preaching to anybody. Actually, I'm going to antagonize people. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, not everybody, so don't worry. I mean, just the ones I want to, like, you know, uh, just to mess with people and stuff. So I just want you to know, like, the idea is to have fun, hang out, have some food, have a good time, see that we can enjoy life together as a church. And we want your friends to know that. So invite them and come on out. That's the idea. So please, I'm asking you, invite one person and invite a bunch of people. Um, somebody told me before, you know, oh, you're a pastor, just wants your church bigger. I was like, no, I want more people to know Jesus. All right? I don't, I'm not like, yeah, I'm, I want you to know that. Not getting awards or I don't make more money because there's more people here. You know, none of that stuff exists. That's not real. I don't care. But there's lost people that need Jesus, and I desperately care about that. And so when we are at a, you know, a, a, a Pima County's over a million people, then I want to see a million people say yes to Jesus, Amen. right? And so if you want to, if you want to think that I want a bigger church, I do. I want a million people, okay? That's for real. That's my heart. I want our church to be a million people Amen. because they said yes to Jesus. Yeah. Follow that, all right? I don't care about me talking to them. I want them to follow him. So we need to reach them. That's part of what this is all about. So go do it, man. Let's make it happen. We love you. Did you spend some time in God's Word this week? Yes. Five minutes at least. Yes. Five days? Yes. All right. Share God's story with someone? Yes. Spend some time alone with Him? Yes. You know what He's saying to you? Yes. 
Okay. So I want to tell you that um, uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart from Kim and I. She's not here today. She's not feeling well. A lot going on. You know that. We're not the only ones going through stuff. I want all of you as a church to know. I know there are so many people going through so much stuff in our church. Health challenges, relational issues, family issues, marital problems, financial challenges. All right. So it's not about us and our situation. We have tried to live transparent lives before our people with you in life together all along. So when I talk about my wife's issues, it's just so that you are part of what's happening so that you know not everybody's as transparent and open about what's going on in your life. But I want you to know that people around you are hurting. There's a lot going on. And there's things that I'm not even aware of and there's enough that I am aware of that I know that it hurts. And there's so much going down. So, when I say that to you, I want you to know that um, our hearts have been incredibly blessed by your outpouring of love, your prayer, your support, your kindness to us has been overwhelmingly great. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. My wife will have surgery this um, Thursday. Most of you probably read the thing that was posted. If you hadn't, this is not a long, detailed thing that um, when we talked to her doctor, uh, the CT scan confirmed what she assumed and that it is like with all probability it's cancer. Uh, it will not be affirmed or denied until the surgery takes place Thursday. But in every aspect of what's going on, it appears that way. And the doctor's being very good with us and clear. I want you to know, please like hear all of what I'm going to say right now before you react to it. I absolutely know that God is able to make it benign and that, that it can be tested that way. I also know that it can be cancer. I know because I've walked down this road with many of you. I've been with other pastors and their families. And because we're Christians doesn't make everything okay. What it does is it gives us the security and the foundation of going through stuff because of Christ in our life. So I am not unrealistic. I'm not cold. I'm not like... Un, I, like I trust God completely and know he heals but most of the time he doesn't let's be honest church like we pray for a lot of people and not many of them get healed but God's there and he's going through it regardless right so I want you to know that so that you're not discouraged or either way or blown away or whatever God's in it he's all over it he's got it so with that I was not in my right mind last Sunday all right, I confess that to you. And I ha wasn't in my right mind for eight days where I was like in whatever. <laughs> like going from one extreme to the other of like, you know, the loss of my wife to she's totally fine. And everything in between was in this brain. So like when I went home from church last Sunday, I told Kim, I have no idea what I said today. I don't. And so I'm going to apologize today because I didn't watch online or anything. I have no idea what I said last Sunday. And I know God always speaks. I know he does. And I trust him in that. But I also want you to know that I wasn't okay. I wasn't normal. So if it was your first Sunday, guess what? <laughs> not normal again. All right. But it's a different not normal. This is my normal me. All right. Today is my normal me. And the way that I know that is that my wife and I had an incredible prayer time with some friends of ours. 
where um, God kind of cleared the fog in my brain. Not kind of, he did. Um, it wasn't with a, hey, everything is going to be perfectly fine. It was a, I've got you. And the fog kind of just went away. Yeah, I'm happy to, happy to be normal with my abnormality. And uh, I'm glad that you're here with us and that I, uh, that I can be with you. And so the incredible thing about God is he's always at work with us and he does things perfectly. If, guys, um, if you, got a, you should have got an email, I think it was Thursday or Friday, we sent out a survey to the men. And if you did not get a little email with like five questions, we're doing a little survey about men's ministry and we want to see God moving in our men. Uh, we want to see him in you ladies, but we recognize that guys are, the, are a needy group and we need a move of God. We need that. And so if you would take a moment to look in your spam folder or something to find that and send that little survey back to us, that'd be awesome. And if you're a part of the existing Warriors group, which is our men's group on Wednesdays, this Wednesday is the week that you go to the mission. And so it starts at six down there uh, this week. It's a new time. So just so you know, and you're aware of that, I want you to be a part of what God's doing. All right. Last week, I shared with you one of my life verses, which was Romans 8, 28. I shared that verse with you because um, as we were talking about that, how when we begin a journey with God, how he transforms us and changes us and he plants his promises inside of us to build our life upon. And I premise that with the fact that I, I want to share something a little more detailed about my walk with God and with my wife. And it's not because of her illness. I'm speaking to you today uh, from my heart for you to understand God in a new way in your life. So. When I grew up in the church, um, since I was born, I was in church, and my father was a pastor, so I was taught about God, and I knew him. I absolutely knew God was real, no doubt in my mind. I knew he was the God of the Bible. I knew that Jesus was the Savior that died on the cross for our sins, and I knew that he rose from the grave, and I knew that if you didn't repent of your sins, you're going to go to hell, and I knew that hell was real, and it is. And not everybody's going to heaven. They're not. Wake up. And I knew that heaven was real and that I needed Jesus to get there. I knew all that stuff. Okay? I knew that God demanded something of us, and I didn't like what he demanded. I knew that Christians were supposed to live a certain way, and I didn't like the way they lived. I knew that Christians were supposed to look a certain way, and I didn't like the way they looked. I knew that my family was a family that was serving God in the church and that my father was a pastor. And so because of that, I stood out differently than every other kid in my community. And people saw me different. I knew that. And I didn't like it. I didn't like my family. I didn't like the church. I didn't like Christians. I didn't like what the Christian life made you do and not do. And therefore, I didn't like God. So when you know God exists and you don't like him, you have a serious problem. <laughs> because you see, when you're standing here as a child thinking you're somebody and you're looking at God who is God and you don't like him, you know you can't change him. And you want to. 
I want to serve you because I know you're God, but I don't like you. I don't like what you do. I don't like what you say. I don't like what you expect. I don't like what I have to live in. And in reality, it's all your fault that my life is like it is and I have to live this way. I don't like you. And therefore, I would not serve him. And so, serving self, not liking God, I began to become something that I was never created to be. Inside of me, emotions began to shut down. And inside of me, this guy that you all know is a big baby that'll cry over everything, and I have emotion, I'm passionate, I'm all full of all that stuff. I wasn't. I was hard. And the older I got, the more hard I got. I never smiled. I never, I didn't like anything. I didn't like myself. I didn't like you. I didn't like people. The problem was, is I didn't like God. But if somebody would have said, you have a problem with God, I would have said, no, I don't. It's you, you moron. (laughs) That's what I would have said, because I thought it was you. I never thought it was God, even though I didn't like him. I still thought it was you. I thought it was me. But the whole while I was fighting with him. So inside of my heart, as I became hard, I looked for escapes. And so the first time I did a drug was, I think, between sixth and seventh grade. Now, my parents never knew, and I didn't, like, do some flaunted thing, and I wasn't, like, out on the streets. I was a very controlled, abusive person. I had complete control of myself. You know how you, you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Like, I, I knew I could handle it. I knew what environments and what I needed to do and not do. And so inside of me with this anger and this emptiness, I found something where I could kind of, like, release that. So when I would come under the influence of whatever was going on around me in that moment, I would act out. And the way I acted out was to be really brutally stupid with people, Um, stuff, things. Um, Look, I'm just telling you that it wasn't okay. So today I want everybody in this room to understand something. I have extreme passion for stupid people. (laughs) I was one see when you're stupid you live for self and you do dumb things and you're mean to people and you make dumb choices in life and you hurt people and you're doing all this stuff and creating all these issues and being a problem but you're really just hurting Please, church, hear me. What's actually happening is you're hurting. And they're wounded. They're not trying to be a jerk. They're not trying to be a moron. They're not trying to be obnoxious. They hurt. And they act out of that hurt in ways that offend us. If if you just met me, you don't want to hit me. I, I still don't know why somebody didn't punch me. I don't know why. I should have been. I mean, seriously, I'm not joking. I'm like, I don't even know why. You're like, why did you even, like, I mean, they were probably in shock. I mean, I would literally walk by people and cuss at them. 
like I didn't even know them. But I would look right at their face and cuss at them. I was hurting. So I'd go to church all the time. I would be in church and I was never there. I was there physically, but there was no way I was letting God talk to me. I don't like him. I didn't want to hear what he had to say because I already knew what he had to say. And I didn't like what I knew he was going to talk to me about. So I was just like, I'm done. I was fishing, hunting, playing sports, all up here in my mind. It was all going on. I I was an amazing guy in my mind. (laughs) So that was my life, man. This is what I want you to know about this amazing God that loves you and me. That, you know, he doesn't get frustrated with you and me. He loves us. And then he knew how I viewed him. He knew how I felt about him. He knew what I thought about him. And yet he still loved me. And he loved me so much that he pursued me anyway, even in my obnoxiousness. Even when my, I blatantly would tell him no in his face. And here's what he did that is like, like such a God thing. I want you to know that he is beyond our comprehension amazing. You already know that I saw this blonde girl down the street. She lived down the road from us. It's crazy. She had the same address as we did. 715 Magnolia, 715 Helen. I could see her house since I was four years old. She lived her whole life there. But I'm a 16-year-old, and she's 15-year-old, and I see her, and I'm like, man, I like that, you know, and so I'm pursuing her, right? And uh, this is why I'm telling you, like, how God is so cool, because my my wife was, uh, she was my girlfriend. I mean, she was my pursuit at that time, not even my girlfriend, but um, having not been raised in the church and not allowed to go to church by a claimed atheist father that didn't let her do that stuff and just told her, when you get older, you can ask questions, so of course... I start to talk with her and we begin in conversations and you know it's crazy that most of her conversations was about God. <laughs> what about God? What about church? What about the Bible? What about Jesus? See this crazy awesome God who knew I would not listen to a preacher who I would not listen to in church would begin to talk to me through a non-believing sinner girl who wanted to know him. He's amazing. Because she began to ask me questions that I wanted to answer for her that God was asking me. And so I got uncomfortable a lot of times. I want you to know. Because when someone's saying like, you know, what does the Bible say about this? And what does it mean that Jesus died on the cross? And what does it mean to be saved and to live for God? And what does that mean? And you're like, I... I want to talk to you because I like you. (laughs) But man, I don't like this topic. And so sometimes I would defer to my mom. Just ask my mom. But I want you to know this amazing God who loves us, loved me so much that he began to get inside of me and work inside out in what is completely non-traditional, that he was speaking to me through a non-believing I mean this kindly, ignorant of God person to break down the walls of what I thought he was. So fast forward to when we were 19 years old. 
thought I had an ulcer in my stomach because I was a miserable person. The only thing that made me smile was Kim. She was someone I wanted to spend my life with. She's the only thing I cared about. Didn't like anyone else or anything about life. Didn't like God still. But I wanted to be with her. And so in this moment of my life, in this inner turmoil that was going on, that was inside of my guts, um, there came that moment where God broke in on me. Kim and I were standing together in a service. The Spirit of God fell on us. And he called me. He called me. And I was so sick of my life at that point. I want you to hear this right. See, I was willing to accept him even though I didn't like him or what it meant to be a Christian or what the Bible said or what the community was. I was so sick of the way I felt that I was willing to even accept him as messed up as he was. <laughs> Seriously, I, I hope that sets into your heart because I thought I knew him. When I met him, he began to reveal himself to me. And as he revealed himself to me, I began to learn who God was. And what I found was he wasn't the God I thought he was, believed he was, or had been taught he was. And I want you to know that as I served him in the way that I knew how, it was jacked up. God saw my heart that I was serving him because I wanted to serve him by doing it man's way. And God honored that. My wife stepped into faith with Jesus like crazy like, she stepped out of the world into this legalistic holiness life, and she bought it. I mean, it's crazy. She was so willing to serve him. She would, like, okay, that that's what it means, I'll do it. Well, I wasn't okay with that. As we began that journey together with God, and he began to speak, his word opens up stuff. And here's what he was teaching us. Church, it's another life verse that you and I all know. And we have these verses that we know. And you've heard this over and over again. But today we want to hear it in a different light from what God says to us. When he tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Man, when you see that, God's like, would you just like kind of stop with all your stuff and let me be your God, trust me, and let me lead your life. Let me reprogram your brain. It's so jacked up. This is the thing that had me think I could live like I wanted. This is the thing that told me that if I medicated myself with whatever, I'd be okay. This was the thing that said, screw you to the world. This is the thing that told me that I had to make decisions for myself. God says, look, you need to understand something. I'm so much beyond this. Church, there's another verse behind Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it's probably one you never even remember reading. Because when we read life verses and everybody quotes it and it's on cards and greetings and everything, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. I mean, we read that over and over again. But guess what verse 7 says? 
Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. (laughs) You're not that smart. (laughs) I love that. Like, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. I mean, I was just a kid and I thought I knew so much. I knew exactly what it meant to follow God. I knew who He was and what He asked of us. I knew it all. Don't be so impressed with your own wisdom. Smarten up a little bit, dummy. You don't have it figured out. And here I am at the age of 57, and I'm still a dummy that doesn't have it figured out. But I'm wrestling with the same things in different contexts where I'm still trying to process God and understand in my mind and begin to have Him fit what I'm trying to do. See, many people want to believe whatever path they're on is the one God put them on. But the Word of God says something very different from that. Uh, One of y'all were in here right now. I think you're in this room right here that talked to me out there before the second service. And he said something, because he hadn't been to church in a while. So, brother, I'm not identifying you, so just like just sit there and act like it's somebody else, okay? But i got to say this, because it goes right with the message. It was quite funny. I was like, man, it's great to see you again. He goes, yeah, I'm back. I had to take a walk in the desert. I said, no, you didn't have to. You chose to. You didn't have to go out there. Look, you don't have to go out there. We choose to go out there. There's a path God has for us, and I want you to know that God's path is the one we need, not your path. Your path is what screwed you up in the first place. Okay, seriously. God's telling us something. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Seek His will. Don't make your own agenda. Don't make your own plans. Seek God's will for your life, and then He'll show you the way. We're inviting God to be with us on our plan. We're asking Him to come along on our journey. We're saying, God, I'm going to take this road. Come on, lead me. Right? Come on, I mean, we're, being, we're Christians here. And, and here's the thing. The only way to be on the path for God is for you continually seeking Him. As soon as you stop seeking Him, you're back to self. And when it's self, it's screwed up. And self picks the wrong path every time. That's why he tells us we have to continually seek him. Jesus said, you're not going to be alone. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you. Why? He says, you can't make it on your own. The only way you're going to ever stay on the right path is if you let the Holy Spirit lead your life. And there's this wrestling going on inside of us. God's word says, don't be arrogant about making your choices. You're not that smart. Come on. In walking with God, as we walk through this life, there are some clear choices. You know this. Anybody that's been saved or walked with God for some time, when God speaks to you, there's some clear, clear choices that you already know. Okay, God's saying do this or don't do that. Right? Have you had that experience? So there's also those times where it's not that clear. We want it to be that clear, but it's not that clear. And we're like, I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? And usually when we get to the point where we say, I'm not sure what to do, I don't know what to do, we revert back to self. Hmm. So let's revert back to the scriptures we read last week. I'm not going to read them to you in John 10 again. But it's a story about Jesus being the shepherd. 
where he says, My sheep know my voice, and I call them by name. They won't follow the voice of a stranger because the stranger's not okay. They know me, they know my voice, and they'll follow me, right? Okay. So Jesus says that when we belong to him, he actually walks in front of us. He walks in front of us. And I hear his voice, so I follow. So when he says, Dave, walk this way, it's not like, hey, God, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? How's this supposed to work? And I begin to process things in my mind because I'm like, well, if it does this or it needs to do that, or if this works this way or that works this way, then I'm going to know what decision to make. And I'm all confused in my brain and I keep doing all this up here. Anybody have that problem with your mind where you're just overanalyzing? Okay, relax, everybody. Just take a deep breath for a second. He's leading. He's leading. He's leading. Here's the problem. As Christians, when we come to that point and stuff, there, there comes these moments of surrender in our life where we have to actually surrender leadership to Him. And as we walk through our Christian life, a lot of times we're still wrestling for control with God. We know who He is. We want to serve Him. We want to be obedient. We want to do everything He says. Therefore, we're asking Him to show us the way while we tell Him what way that is. If you assess your prayer times, and I do this a lot of times for myself because I write out my prayers for the discipline of knowing what I'm saying. But if you would assess your prayers you would realize that actually what we're doing most of the time is telling God how our life could be better if he would move in these areas and in these ways. I mean, seriously, just think about it. When we pray, we're asking for his will to be done, but we want his will for my life to be better, easier, more comfortable. Anybody say amen to that? I mean, I... I do. I'm confessing that. That's what I want. I want it better and easier and more enjoyable. I do. But it doesn't do that. (laughs) But if you listen to my prayers, you would think that's how I'm serving God and that's what I want from Him. And so what I realize is that when I look back in the Scriptures and He says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and then He will show you the right path. So I really do most of the time think I know what path to take. I I really do. Because I'm a logical man. And I can figure it out. So I'm going to make the right choices and go down this road. And I already know God's going to be there with me because it's the right way to go. So how do I know when I don't know? When it's not that clear, how am I going to know? This is what he tells me. Trust him in all you do, and he will show you the right path. Trust him in all you do, and he will show you the right path. Oh, so I'm supposed to be doing for you already. And in my doing for you already, you'll show me the right path. So there's this interactive life of living for God, and that's where the path is known. Most of us want Him to show us before we walk. See, if we're waiting for God's revelation, 
What I mean by that is we want God to reveal what it is. So if God says, tomorrow morning when you get up, I want you to wake up at 7, go to Circle K, fill up your tank, drive over to Starbucks and pick up your latte, head into work and be there five minutes early. I want you to say hi to Sue because she's having a rough week. I want you to be nice to this co-worker right here. I know they're a moron and they're really treating you bad, but I want you to go over there and just greet them kindly tomorrow. Then I want you to do your job, come home, be happy when you walk in the door, and then you're going to have a good night's rest. If God said that to you, that would be revelation. And every one of us wants that, but it would require no faith whatsoever. Because then I'd only be responding to what I know God wants me to do. And I'd be acting out His plan. What God actually says to us is, trust me, step in, and let's do this. So he says, do you trust me if you don't wake up tomorrow morning? Do you trust me if you don't have money to put gas in your car tomorrow? Do you trust me if you can't have coffee? Do you trust me if you show up late for work tomorrow? Do you trust me if those workers around you all hate you tomorrow? Do you trust me if you get in an accident on your way home tomorrow? Do you trust me? See, we're wanting the revelation of good, kind, gentle, better. But life isn't that way. God says, will you trust me? Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't use your own logic and conclusions to come to the answers of stuff. See, when we read in this verse, in the, there's two verses in Romans 12 that are kind of like people's life verses. You've read them on cards and devotionals. You've heard people preach on them. So we already hear these things, and we have our perception of what they mean to us. So I already know I'm going to read it to you, and you're going to automatically start thinking stuff. So can you just like right now take control of your brain? This is a good practice exercise, and stop it. Listen to what God's saying to us right now. I want you to hear what God is saying. Don't even look at the screen if it's up there. Listen. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Man, when you hear God's word, it's amazing. See, when we hear the fullness of God's word, it speaks to us. These are familiar verses. And we've all applied them in our lives in various ways. But the challenge here is to recall our minds to Old Testament covenant. That's what this is based on. When he tells us, you understand there was a sacrificial system, the only way you could come to God was to bring a sacrifice that was actually killed, offered to God as an offering to Him in order to have relationship. So in this context of what God's speaking to us, he's saying, look, here, get that vision in your mind. 
He says, now this is what you need to do. You need to bring yourself and put yourself on that sacrificial altar as an offering to God like, I'm dead. I'm all yours. It's no longer about me. It's all about you. I want relationship with you above all things. Did you hear me, church? God, I want relationship with you above all things and altar. He says, this is the way you really worship him. It's not about just singing songs and raising your hands, which is good. I'm not denying that. The way you actually worship God is to live a sacrificed life. A sacrificed life surrendered on the altar. So he says, what does that look like? Well, for one thing, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Hello? Come on, man. We were like that. It was all about me. It was self-centeredness. We made all those decisions. We lived. You know how the world makes decisions? Is my life going to be better if I do this? Will I be more comfortable in that environment? How might my life improve if I... See, this is the way the world views life. And this is how the world responds. Here's God saying to us, you don't live like that anymore. That's not the way you do it. See, honestly, like everybody in this room, you already know this. Usually, money makes decisions. Comfort makes decisions. Better makes my decisions. So I make my decision based on those values, which is self. God says, your life now belongs to me. And therefore, the decisions you are going to make need to be made by surrender to me. Your all is here on this altar, and I'm going to change the way you think. That's how you're going to get to know what I have for you. So, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way we think. Okay? So you hear the similarities between Proverbs 3 and this? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and direct your paths. Don't think you're that smart. You're not. Fear God. Okay. That was, a trend. That was just an abbreviated version. All right? So God says you need your mind remade. Your mind's jacked up. Now I look back in my life, and we're a, we're a part of our culture, you know. Culture, I'm not blaming culture. I'm blaming sin, but our culture is based in sin. And therefore, our culture has formed all of us into the self-centeredness. And so we've processed everything. And so now we're walking with God, and we're still processing things the same way. But I need my mind transformed. But I've been making decisions all my life. And God doesn't want us to just check our brain at the door. He wants us to use our logic, but he wants our logic to be submitted on the altar as well. So that I can trust him. So, let me, let me give you a real life instances in Dave's life and relatable to your life. Uh, candidating in Tucson, Arizona. Living in Michigan all my life. See, I, I'm telling people now for the first time, you know, we're going to go to Tucson. Why would you go to that God-forsaken desert? <laughs> that was my father's response to me. <clears throat> okay, that's, that's not a slight against him. Just hear me out. So here's the thing. 
I'd never been to Tucson. I knew nothing of it. I'm a Midwestern guy. The West doesn't exist except in movies, right? So, I mean, for people back there, I'm just letting you know. You don't matter out here. Uh, it's north and south and forget west, all right? And so when someone says you're going to the desert, you know what you're going to. You do. It's all sand. There's tumbleweeds blowing by every once in a while. Vultures are circling in the sky. And you're going to die. <laughs> all right? So, so when someone says you're going to the desert, I want you to know that's the exact vision you have if that's where you come from. So even when we were invited and we're like, you're going to the desert, in Dave's mind, I was seeing sand, tumbleweeds, cow skulls laying there, vultures in the sky. And I knew what I was coming to until I showed up. And it was nothing like I thought. Nobody said anything about mountains. And I wasn't leaving green. There's green all around us. There's like all this beauty and this stuff that's here. And it was like, wow, I had a complete different view of desert. So please understand this, that most of us see God that same way. We have a perception of God just like I did when I was a kid. And I thought he was that barren wasteland of death. And I really believed that's who he was until I met him. And when I actually met him, I found out he was nothing like I thought he was. Not only that, he wasn't even asking me to do one-tenth of what I thought I had to do. He wasn't asking me to be a weirdo or step away from society or anything like that. He was asking me to step into relationship with him. And so I saw him in such a different light. It was just like when I came here for the first time. I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's like totally cool. That's so different. Okay, so please hear this through now. Why would you take a job that pays less money? Would you even consider one if someone said, hey, uh, I know you have a job, but I have a job I want to offer you. It pays 10000 a year less than what you're making, but I think it'd be great for you. We'd be like, you know, I really like you, but you're a head out. I am not working for you, man, you know. Why don't you sell your house and move into this community? It's not as desirable. It's kind of rough around there, actually. And you're probably going to not get any equity out of the house. Why don't you, why don't you move? All right, well, see, honestly, church, as Christians, we still use the logic of the world in everything that we make decisions on in life. We're still basing every decision we make on how it will affect us in a better way. Come on, let's be honest. If someone is looking for a job, we're looking for something at least equal to where we are or the promise of something better soon. Right? I mean, isn't that true? I mean, if y'all are looking for a cheap paying job, we need a janitor. All right? <laughs> That's not why I'm talking about this. I'm just saying, right? No, we're looking for something that has a promise of better. When we're looking for a home, we're not looking for a less of a home unless we want to downsize because we want more money. We're not looking to move into a worse neighborhood. We're looking to move into a better neighborhood. The reality is we're always looking for a way to better our life. 
Even in our Christian walk, we're approaching it the exact same way. And yet God says, hey, would you put yourself on this altar and say yes to me? When's the last time you asked him? Anything about life decisions other than, God, I, we need a new house and I'd really like to live in Silverado Hills. That'd be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> That's on the east side. It's the only one I could think of in my mind, just so you know. You know, I'd like to live here. I want to live there. And God, we need a new home. And so, I mean, if I'm going to live there, I'm going to need this at work. God, I, I trust you completely. And I know you have good things planned for me. I'm one of your kids and you own it all. And so it's, you know, it's just claiming my inheritance because of who I am. And so God, make my life better. God, I have a problem. And so I already know you're going to fix it. And I believe you are going to fix it. And this is the way it's going to work out. So I give you glory now because that's the way it's going to be when it's over with. It's going to be better. You hear me, church? See, we're trusting God with our own logic, assuming that the only thing that can come to us from God will be better. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. We have to change the way we think. So all of you that have been here for a while, you already know about my crying and begging God not to make me come here, so I'm not going to bore you with that story. Ah, uh, you're welcome. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something more. I don't know who said thank you, but you're probably in this part of the story, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you ready so <laughs> I was serving at a church my wife and I we were pastoring a church in Michigan for 12 years we went to that church uh, we had served in one church for 6 years then we went to this church uh, New Beginnings for 12 years when we arrived it was my first first time uh, full time ministry the church like transformed we transformed god like did amazing work in us our life our kids like the church was transformed physically spiritually the people it grew it was just it was a great place i'm being honest with you it was a great place god said i need you to stop serving me here you need to resign and I wrestled with God for like six months with my emotions, like, that can't be you. That can't be what you're saying. I, I'm misinterpreting something. There's, I have this vision, and I know it's here. So God brings me to that place again where I surrender and not use my understanding and say, okay, I'm done. So here's the part you didn't know when I came here. When I came here the first time and I don't want to offend anybody and please this is Dave's problem right I, I want to confess that to you up front but I went over on that property and saw that building and I was like oh God no <laughs> I saw it was like a dump I mean there was crap everywhere it was old and broken and I was like all I see is projects and work. All I see is like this need of coming into the, you know, at least 30 years newer than where it was. And I have this desire for everything to be the best for God. I do. It's a genuine desire for that. 
And I saw this place and I was like, God, it's a wreck. The sanctuary's purple. What in the world? Why? It was. It was purple. I'm just telling you. And it was like, what in, you know, oh, dear God, you know, like, what are we doing here? <clears throat> and it was part of the reason why I was sobbing and saying no, because see, when I look, I've never treated ministry as a career. I want to be honest with you. I don't look at it like, how can I better my life? That's ridiculous. It's a call of God. And I want to serve him wherever he wants me. But my flesh, myself, was like, not this. God, we've done this. For 12 years, we've gone through this. And it's finally a place, and the church was at a place where people were happy to bring their family and friends and see it. It was a beautiful church, great people. We had no mortgage. It was paid for. And all that stuff. And I'm like, God, this, this dump is a million dollars. There's a debt. The, the mortgage is like six grand a month, and it's a dump. God, how would we ever survive here? And again, please, no offense. This is not to the person that said thank you. But I met some of the people, and I felt the same way about them as I did the property. I'm, I'm sorry. I already told you this was an issue with Dave, all right? I already told you that. So that's no offense to anyone. I'm just telling you, I'm being honest, that when I saw it in my flesh, I was saying, that's a wreck. They're a wreck. This place is horrible. Get me out of here. Because you see, as I processed it through my human logic and intellect, I'm like, I know what's in front of me, God. I know. I know that if you call me here, it's going to be never-ending projects. It's going to be people needing you, which means me, which I hate. All right. <laughs> uh, dear God, no. That's why I was sobbing in the room, all right? It had nothing to do with the cactus in the desert. It had everything to do with you and your building, all right? Uh, I love you, all right? <laughs> okay, so why am I even telling you that? Because you see, when we read that scripture of God's word and what he says to us in there, he says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. When is that? When you climb up on that altar of sacrifice and say, I'm all yours. I'm done. Not what I think. Not what I want. I'm not looking for better. I just want you. And see... When we read that scripture and it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Rarely does it look good, pleasing, and perfect in the moment. See, human logic sees things through our flesh. And the only way we want to see things is if it's better, pleasing, and good. God's will is that. No matter how it feels or looks or what you experience. And so today, it's pretty easy to look back and say, yay, God, you're awesome. I love it here. What a campus. What a facility. What a group of people. You guys are the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> so like, it's easy now 
to see the good, the pleasing, and all that's right. But I want you to know, none of that appeared in that moment where I was asked to crawl up on the altar. My human logic was screaming, don't do it. (laughs) That sucks. Horrible. That's the God you remember when you were a kid. He wants to squish you. Up here, right? So whatever you're facing right now, I want you to know that it may look horrible. It may feel bad. It may suck. It may be anything but perfect in your mind. But he is. And you're not going to know his will until you crawl up on that altar. And it's not just a one-time crawl. It's a living there. I'm living in in a sacrifice to you, God. I just want to be consumed and changed. I want to be all yours. And so I empty myself again. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. There it is. There it is. No longer do I want it to be processed through the filter of me. I want it to be you, God. No matter how it feels right now. No matter how it looks. No matter how I'm looking and saying like, no, no, anything but this. See, our brain tells us that. Okay, God. I'm going to, I got to finish because we're almost there and I want to give you action steps, but I want to ask you a couple things. Like, I want you to know this more than ask you something. Wherever you're working right now, it matters to God. You're not there by chance. So stop looking at it like it's an obstacle or a prison. Or even if you're in prison. I mean, let God work with you where you are. I want you to know that you are a missionary there. And that God has strategically placed you there. Because there are people that need Him. That only can meet Him because you're there. That is the truth of God's Word. Right? Okay, so now hear this then. I'm asking you to consider that where you live matters to God. And most of us want to know God's will about where we should live, but we also give Him guidelines and parameters to do it. And God may ask you to live someplace you may not want to. And you may not like it. It'll be good. It will be good pleasing and perfect because his word says so okay so when's the last time you prayed and asked god where you should go on vacation if you go on vacation seriously please think about what i'm saying to you like we make all kinds of plans in our life and we don't even think about like hey god where do you want me to go on vacation why wouldn't you ask him No, usually if we're thinking about taking a vacation, it's like, what do I want to do? Where do I want to be? And what do I want to experience? Maybe God wants you to go somewhere that you will enjoy, but it's nowhere on the complete map of your ideas. Do you ever think about asking him? You know, I I want you to know this much. I, I, I mean, I believe this with all my heart. Where you buy your cars matters to God. Where you buy your clothes matters to God. Where you buy your coffee matters to God. It matters. So if God's like like directing my paths, then he's having me go 
to specific places for specific things for a specific purpose. And guess what? It's his. Don't get all freaked out and like, okay, God, so what gas station should I go to? It's probably the one on the road in front of you. All right? (laughs) All right. Like, don't get stuck in the mud here. I'm just saying he has a plan. So when you're going to that one that's on the road in front of you, what is God doing there? Have you ever stopped and pumped your gas and looked around and said, God, what are you doing here? What's going on in this place right now? What is happening around me? Maybe it's just God saying, hello, I'm here. I don't know. But see, church, what what happens is a lot of times we just function on self most of the time. And yet we're supposed to be following God's path for our life. So a small thing like where I buy my coffee actually matters. For eight years, I've been going to a coffee shop, the same one. Um, the reason, and I prayed about it before I went there. I did. And I've prayed a few times, like, God, do you still want me to go here? Because um, a lot of times I drink the coffee, I don't even like some of it. Um, because I'm not there for the coffee. I mean, I like coffee. Y'all know I do. Uh, and some of it's not very good, but I drink it anyway. But I'm there because <laughs> the reason I went there in the first place was to meet people outside of a church environment because y'all know I'm a pastor, so you see me differently, and you talk to me differently, and you introduce me differently, and you probably live and act different in front of me, even though that's ridiculous, because God sees you. (laughs) So I went to the coffee shop to be a normal person, and so that the people I meet would not know me, and that I would be able to be Jesus to them without them thinking I'm Jesus because I'm a pastor. So they're walking in and I say, good morning. That's all I do. Every person that walks into Starbucks, sorry, I wasn't going to give any commercial to them, but (laughs) anybody walking in in the morning, I say, good morning. And when they leave, I say, have a good day. And some people, you know, they're like, "Mm." (laughs) some of them just act like I'm not there. Some are like, good morning, yeah, it's a great day, you know, like, you know who you are, you're all, everybody's like that. All right, so I'm doing this, this is eight years of this, and uh, probably about five days a week on average, sometimes less, but usually five days. And then um, there's some people that, you know, realized I wasn't leaving, so they, <laughs> they go to the other side of the building and park, <laughs> and they go in the other door, you know, and, and now they have a regular routine of just driving by and parking on that side and walking in to get their coffee and leaving. Even though this is the mobile door, they'll still walk the long walk just so they don't want it to see me, right? It's totally okay. I'm really comfortable with that. I think it's funny. I do. I, I think it's their loss. So, you know, it's like, hey, whatever. Uh, anyway... So I'm telling this for a reason. I really am. And it goes along with what we're talking about here. So I have prayed about it. I believe God's asked me to do this. So this just saying good morning to people uh, caused them, like people walking by, to go into the baristas in there. And they're like, what's up with the dude on the patio? <laughs> you know, what's, we don't know. He doesn't work for us. You know, one of those. <laughs> so, so then, you know, people will walk by and say, uh, do you work? Like, yep, I, I do. Yeah, okay, because they, you know, they just think I live at the coffee shop, you know, because I'm there every morning. <laughs> yeah, I do, I have a job, yeah, really, okay. Well, that's cool, well, have a good day, yeah. 
Um, then they're by like, hey, hey, what do you do anyway? Well, I, um, I pastor a church and, oh, have a good day. <laughs> Seriously, church, but this is what happens. Sooner or later, they come back over and they're like, um, if you don't mind, you know, we're going through something. Would you pray for my family? You know, I, I got some things I need to talk about. Would you mind if I just sat down here with you? I said, I don't mind at all. That's why I'm here. And I've watched God work in people's lives. I've prayed with people on the patio of Starbucks. I've seen people give their life to Christ. Some of those people come to this church today. They're members. They've been baptized. Their life has changed. And all that's going on simply by saying, God, where do you want me to have coffee? I'm like, man, that's crazy. And if I was living for self, honestly, I mean this. Yeah, you know, I, I got problems. I, I wouldn't do that. I, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go there for that reason. I would ignore them, most of them. <laughs> I'd be like, I just want to be by myself right now and not have anybody ask me for anything or want something. Leave me alone. You know, but then God's like, just say good morning. And you know what I end up doing? I love it. I love it. I want to interact with them. I see them walk by with their grumpy looks or their problems, they're dragging their feet or their happy faces. And I'm like, God, you know everything going on in their life. Every detail. And you love them. Even the one that goes by like this. Every day. Every day I see him. Every day. For a while, I just let him go. I'm like, I'm not even going to make him make the effort. And then I'm like, nah, I'm going to do that anyway. Good morning. I yell at him because he's way down there. It's, eh. <laughs> I can't wait to see him one day. Like, come and talk to me. I'm looking forward to it. He ignores me when we walk in the store together. It's okay. So here's why I'm telling you all that. I'm saying, like, church today, well, we're done. I apologize. We're run out. Um, here you go. Um, the reason I did that is because, see, everybody knows now all the baristas, the people that go there, all the shifts. They know I'm a pastor. I smile and say good morning. I ask them how they're doing. They've shared stuff with me. And this is what's happened now. They found out my wife has stuff going on. And so now they're coming to me. And they're reaching out, and they're like, hey, how's your wife doing? What's going on? Are you okay? We're praying for you. We, we want to know, is there any way we can help? I'm talking about people that are just simply working jobs. I'm talking about people that just walk in the door. And I look back, and I'm sitting there like, God, you're so amazing at how you work in so many ways. And how that people can begin to see him in a different light when we actually live on the altar to him. Amen. This is not about Dave. It's the absence of Dave. It's like God has an opportunity through my brokenness, through my wife's issue, to reach out to people in absolute love and to have people feel that and experience life with you and understand something they've never had a clue before about, that Christian people serving God hurt they're normal. Life's tough at times. Okay, church, 
I want you to know that God loves you. I guarantee you God is not the God you think he is. He's more. Stop holding him to your standards. Surrender to him and let him direct your life. I'm done. Altar's open. Would you stand? I apologize for the few minutes over, but I want you to know God loves you. And that couple minutes is not a real big deal in the eternal picture of things. And, and if you need to do business with God, I want you to know Jesus loves you. If you're not saved this morning, Jesus is not who you think he is. He's probably not even who you've been told he is. He's more, and you need him. If you don't know him, would you come and receive him? Meet him for yourself. Those of you that are walking with God, whatever you're facing, I want you to know He is here with you and He's waiting for you to crawl up on that altar and say, I'm all yours. It's all you. Show me the way. And He will. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word, the profound beauty of the promises of God. What it means to surrender and live for you is incredible. We're yours. We're all in. We're all yours. Have your way. We trust you. Brothers and sisters that are hurting, going through stuff, God, we trust you. We're looking for our next step. We walk in it with you, and we give you glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Yeah, God is good, man. Take those cards with you. There's a bunch up here, too. Invite some people to come back with you. Hey, yeah. Uh, God bless you guys.